Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Well, whoop de doo! It's 24 <laughs> on the Oz Network. <laughs> I think that's our opening every single week as we continue on with season six, whoop de doo season, episode 15, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. All seriousness, not the worst episode. This slightly improves in the last few weeks because we've got an interesting storyline, but there's still a bunch of rubbish that we've got to get through, unfortunately. This first aired. On March the 26th, 2007. So, Colin, you are officially 36 now in 2007. Is that correct? 26. 26. (laughs) I thought you were born in 1971, apparently, or my math are just terrible. Um, A day that is best known for the fact that nuclear weapons testing happened in Operation Castle in Bikini Atoll. 11 megatons. Cool. The United Kingdom. for that one too. The United Kingdom driving test is introduced. <laughs> That's always a good thing. And the Vancouver Millionaires won the 1950 Stan- 1915 Stanley Cup uh, with the first championship play between the Pacific Coast Hockey Association and the National Hockey Association. And fun fact, I think that was the last time Vancouver ever touched the Stanley Cup. I agree, Jamie. <laughs> I could hear you in the background. And Never the, happen again. The number one birthday on March 26th, a day in which people such as the great late James Kahn has a birthday, Kenny Chesney has a birthday, Steve Tyler has a birthday, Guccio Gucci has a birthday, Diana Ross, Kira Knightley, Martin Short, esteemed people aren't even in the top ten. Well, Diana Ross and Kira Knightley are, but they're fifth and sixth. Number <laughs> one, Gavin Magnus. A pop singer who is 16 years old. Oh, well, it's not TikTok. True. But still, when I think of contributions to music, screw you, Diana Ross. I think of Gavin Magnus, <laughs> the esteemed. Anyway, Ben bags out internet celebrities every week. The new segment on 24 recaps. It was written, the the episode, not the rapper guy, was written by Howard Gordon and Manny Cotto, directed by Brad Turner. And we're here to do it. My name is Ben, and I don't eat red food, Mark. And my name is Colin, and I'm resuming my duties as podcaster in chief. <laughs> um, that means I'm hosting this one. I'm the host now. Um, I, look, I really uh, is a door a correct word to use here. I love Jack and the the brother I, Brady. I, Brady, like so good. Like maybe doesn't hold up well in 2023 that you have a non. Uh, is he what is he meant to have autism or, or like autism? Yeah, autism. Yeah, okay. So he's he's doesn't hold up well 15 years, 16 years later, or 17 years by the time you're hearing this in 2024. That you've got a non autistic actor playing an autistic actor, which I mean, look again, there's 
gray areas there. I get it. There's a conversation to be had. But obviously nowadays you would probably not cast someone who doesn't have autism. But I still love Jack here. Just like the way he interacts with Brady and the actor who plays Brady does this very well. I think it's actually a very sweet storyline. We then just have to deal with a whole bunch of other things that are happening around here at the same time, which uh, once again, uh, you know, very season six. Shall we just say that? Very season six. Um, yeah, I mean, well, as far as I'll have some comments on the uh, the, the Brady character. Um, more positive uh, than than negative is somebody who actually is surrounded by uh, people on the spectrum. Um, I, I like that story. It, it, it exactly myself. Uh, <laughs> Jamie sometimes likes to say, you know, some of that behavior actually just comes from you. It's not necessarily <laughs> autism, uh, but uh, I, I I felt like that storyline was very season one. You know, it, it felt like we're gonna put Jack in there with uh, you know the guest star of the week and do kind of a one-off thing. And for the most part, it works well, I think because season six struggles so much with being consistent, also with being patient. It's more of a patient story, despite the fact they introduce and it's over within one week. Uh, it, it, they slow the pace down a little bit. Um, a lot of the other stuff here, I mean, it's questionable as always. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of issues. I'm, I'm going to have, it's going to be weird. I'm going to be bipolar because I'm going to love a lot of what we're going to get with Wayne when he comes back here, but I'm also going to question a lot of what we have with Wayne when he comes back. Like, I I, I still can't quite wrap a, a firm opinion around how I feel about it. Don't get me started on the uh, speedy nature of the U.S. government next week. I, <laughs> I just can't believe how quickly shit can get done in the American government on a day a nuclear bomb's gone off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same with you about the Wayne stuff because it's sometimes it's almost laughable. Sometimes it's like, yeah, and other times it's just like, what are they doing? But, again, it's just... I like to call it season six syndrome. It's just, we've got to rush everything. And not this, this isn't Ben Waterworth complaining that we haven't had anything to do with this storyline in like, what, four weeks. But remember that there's a whole Jack Bauer family situation going on that they just completely forget about. And then I, again, I remember watching this season going like, oh, well, they forgot about that. And then all of a sudden it's going to be shoved down your throat again in a few more weeks. It's just like, it's, Again, the problem with this season is they rush, let's do everything, bipolar, oh, what do you do? Oh, look, oh, no, there's a nuclear power plant. As I said last week, this is the 24 greatest hits tour because let's just recycle every plot line we've ever used in the first six seasons. But, like, it's like all of a sudden we've got a big one that this season is known for that you're just going to forget about for most of this part of the season. And I think the frustrating thing about that is that we just had that last week. We had a couple weeks laying off from the, the whole Marilyn and Josh thing. And then Marilyn's back. And now we're laying off of it again. And it's like, well, just lay off of it for, you know, four or five weeks and then bring it back in so we have a consistent storyline. I mean, it's very similar with uh, the the Nadia and Milo stuff we're getting. It's very similar with Chloe and with um, with Morris. Like, they, they've got all these side plots. And I, I hate to be complimenting a lot of the bad side plots we got out of, like, the first three, or let's even include four, four seasons. You could even say fifth season there. But at least when they introduced a bad side plot, you got two or three weeks of it, and then it was done with. You didn't have, let's, you know, throw this little uh, thing out there, and then let's forget about it for two weeks. Like, because you start losing track, and then you start judging the other stories based on that. Like, yeah. I'm finding every other week now, I'm just wondering why everybody was so hard on, um, what's not uh, Milo, uh, Morris. Why everybody, too many M's in here. Why was everybody so hard on Morris? Because now they're doing just as stupid things, and they don't, they don't have alcoholism to blame for it, or torture to blame for it. But... I feel like I would accept a lot of these things a lot more if you just did the Milo thing and then you did the Morris thing and then you did whatever else after that. Yeah, no, I completely 
Completely agree. Uh, I think we just we can breeze through the presidential stuff here because everything else really kind of ties together. So basically, Daniels is getting ready to launch a nuke. He's going to nuke him in the face. He's going to nuke a desert in the Middle East as a warning shot. Um, and he's all like, "Girl, girl, girl, we're going to do this." And Sandra's gone from staring through a window to talking through a window. So uh, she's uh, improved her Academy Award-winning potential here, Regina King. But um, so they're basically debating everything here to do with, oh, should we do it? This could kill him. This could do this. This could do that. And they're all like, oh, I don't know what to do. We need to protect the country. And like Karen has a good little moment next week where she kind of feels like she's going to take the responsibility should another nuclear bomb go off or a nuclear attack because of her role uh, in resigning and not resigning. I kind of feel you need to be more pressing here for the death of the president of the United States here, Karen, because you're forcing his sister to like wake him up. Um, she wouldn't have had this thought at all if you're not coming and putting pressure on him. Um, and let's be honest, we don't really know what happens to Wayne except for a tiny little newspaper article if you yeah. freeze frame it in Redemption. So uh, there you go. He dies. Spoiler alert. We never know that unless you do exactly what I just said in Redemption. Um, so, Karen, you're a president killer. Um, so we got the, this doctor... I've got to say, this doctor is going to jail for a long fucking time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know how much you remember about the Michael Jackson case when it was a Conrad Murray, Dr. Conrad Murray got like went to jail for manslaughter or whatever he went to jail for because basically Michael Jackson was pressuring him to give him drugs. Like this is, and he's, this Conrad guy's going like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to. And Michael Jackson's like, hey, money, 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 money. And he's like, all right, cool. I like money. So he ended up going to jail for a long time and basically among Michael Jackson's fans is known as a guy who killed Michael Jackson. Next week, we're going to see basically Wayne Palmer being Michael Jackson and basically like, give me drugs, give me drugs. You will lose your job. I'll find someone else. And now this week, he's kind of like, no, I won't do it. Well, it's up to the sister. And then Noah's on the phone going like, you do this. I will fry you by the balls if the president dies. And he's just kind of like, yeah, I know. He is going to jail for a long time, this guy. So I feel for this guy. I definitely do. I mean, he's risen to the ranks of the president's personal doctor in the time of a crisis. Like, is this an actual position? Like, hi, Dr. (laughs) Jenkins. If there is a time where you've got to be shoved in the bunker during a crisis in the United States, you will be his personal doctor. So you're always on call. Uh, So he's, he's having a good old day that day. Then he sees a nuclear bomb go off and he's like, oh, fuck. Goes to his wife and kids. Honey, going to the bunker. That's the day has finally arrived. But, um, they're eventually going to all, you know, are they going to give him the drugs? Are they not? He starts crying. This is, to me, just like some of the stuff that they unnecessarily do this week, next week, just in some of these episodes. It's like you're trying to create like a distraction for a twist that you're going to do at the end, which is just dumb. And then if you kind of know it's going to happen, it just makes no sense. So they're deliberately doing this to make us think that, oh, no, he's going to die so that therefore when we've got this big reveal at the end and oh, the nuke's being called off and da, 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 president to the rescue, you weren't expecting that because we thought he was dead. Um, it's worse next week, don't worry. But yeah, it's just uh, basically at the end of this episode, we're about to bomb, uh, what, what, what are you calling it, a, a man? No, not a man, uh, Yemen. Yemen. So, sorry, I'm a man next week. Um, uh, and then all of a sudden the phone call comes through, Mr. President, it's being called off. It's like, oh my God, what's happened? And then you got Palmer in his bed. <sighs> Noah, no, don't bomb. Don't bomb Yemen. Bad Noah. Hangs up. And then we, you know, like that to me is the end of the episode. Beep, 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 yeah. beep. End it right there. That's the cliffhanger because that's that's a fuck yeah moment. America, Wayne. 
Like we then don't, this is the issue with so many of these cliffhangers this season. They ruin it by going an extra step too far because now you've got Daniel's going, hmm, he's unfit to be president. Call the cabinet and let's invoke the 25th Amendment. Again, recycle the greatest hits of 24. But then the massive thing I have with this, we spent a quarter of this season with people trying to murder this guy because apparently there was no other way that we could remove the president. Oh, wait a minute, the 25th Amendment. Jesus, Peter McNichol, why didn't you just think of this instead of trying to kill him? Like, Jesus, it's just so dumb. The fact that like, if they never did this bit, then we're not maybe complaining more about this. This just makes that whole plot line about assassinating the president even worse. Because uh, you obviously did remember that the 25th Amendment existed. It's, nah, nah. Well, I'll, I'll give one defense for the 25th Amendment only coming in now, and that's that Wayne, I mean, Wayne hadn't... Uh, he hadn't really done anything that would justify the 25th Amendment. Although you could say they started this season by saying nine straight weeks of terrorist attacks and no retaliation. Uh, you probably had some grounds to at least fairness, attempt that did first. David, yet they still did it for David. So. I mean, David had nine hours as opposed to nine weeks, though. I think, yeah, there's probably a little True. bit more for Wayne. But but still, I think that this would be this would be a clear-cut example of, hey, he's not fit for this. But... Uh, uh, my biggest takeaway from this is exactly what you said. Like this doctor, <laughs> I mean, fine. If you have to follow orders, if 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 the immediate family, Sandra or Sandra, uh, if she is saying, yes, get him out of that coma because Karen said so, uh, get it in writing. There, there's recording devices around this place. Get it recorded. Like yes. give yourself an out because at the end of the day, you're the one who's going to jail. It's not going to be Sandra. It's going to be a well, but you know, uh, the, I was going off of the doctor's advice and Karen's going to be like, hey, I'm no medical professional. The only guy in the room who knew what he was talking about was this guy. He should have warned us more against it. Yeah. And he'll, oh, I did warn you. It's like, well, I don't have anything in writing. There's no recording of it. Uh, it's just idiotic. Uh, but I agree. Like the, the cliffhanger, I, I think that at this point, they were so stuck in the formula of 24 that they feel like a cliffhanger has to be something that's unresolved. But a cliffhanger can also just be a great unexpected twist. Yeah. So having the audience expect there's no way Wayne's coming out of this, and if he is, it's probably going to be, you know, a week or two before he's coherent, then that is a great cliffhanger because you have that surprise of, like, this is President Wayne Palmer calling off the strike. Uh, that would have been an excellent way to actually end the episode and still get people excited for next week. Now it's going to Wayne's back. I thought he was gone. Yeah, it. I just... You're right. It's it's the Robert Downey Jr. You never go full R word that we keep talking about because sometimes they just seemingly go for this level of, you know, like, as you said, like, this is 24. We've got to do it a certain way when it's kind of like, well, no, you don't always have to do it a certain way. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. But, um, yeah, I just I just don't. I still we feel weird about this 25th Amendment thing. And, like, again, it's just as I keep saying about this episode, it's. It's the, let's recycle all the plots, you know? Like, it's just like, cool, we've got this plot, we've got that plot. Remember this plot, let's do this plot again. It's like, we're literally going to get this with a nuclear strike. Like, uh, this is an episode again that I vividly remember watching going, oh, the 25th Amendment again. Like, this is what? On the, a nuke season. <laughs> this, this is the second time, but I feel it's been mentioned another time before this so as well. Like, I feel like that. But, like, how can he, like, literally within two seconds be all like, let's invoke it. It's like he's not fit for purpose. He's made one decision. Like, I know, yeah. you're, I know <laughs> you're, you're balls to the wall here really wanting to fucking nuke the shit out of, um, of Yemen. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I mean, surely everybody in this cabinet will be like, uh, Mr. President, he just woke up. Um, 
can we give it an hour? <laughs> like, if all of a sudden he was like, call off the strike and get Britney Spears down here. <laughs> like, they'd be like, sir? I said get Britney Spears. She is the new I- national security advisor. <laughs> I don't think he's fit for office. <laughs> like I, I want a football helmet filled with cottage cheese and naked pictures of B. Arthur. <laughs> like I'm sure that time Donald Trump got like McDonald's for that college team that won the championship, which in all fairness, I honestly think was brilliant. I'm not here to praise Donald Trump, but like seriously, if I went to the White House as a championship winning team and the president put on a spread of all the McDonald's I could eat, He's got my vote at the next election. <laughs> but I'm sure there were a few people, as there probably were every day, let's be honest, in Donald Trump's White House going, Googling 25th Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> Not fit for office. I guarantee if you look at the Google search history during 2017 and 2021, <laughs> there's probably a lot of how do I invoke the 25th Amendment going on at the White House internet searches. But yeah, I just I question, like, again, okay, one decision. And half of this cabinet is obviously anti-nuking this country. So should there not be a, like, literally, I'm getting ahead to next week already. Within three minutes, the entire cabinet is sitting down ready to vote. What the fuck? Like, so clearly (laughs) there should be some objections here. Everyone's just scared of Daniels, clearly. That's what I take from this. Oh, I I would be. (laughs) Like, I mean, he's he's yelling at the guy. He's, um, yeah, he's just, what was it next week when he's like, no, it was this week when he kind of has that line and he's like, general. Proceed with the launch. Like the way he says it, like it's just like, oh, I, 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 I didn't feel I took in the death of Powers Booth until now. I am, I am extra sad that this guy is no longer with us because we were robbed of an amazing we, actor. We've decided we're going to forego covering the rest of season six just because we're in mourning a Powers Booth. I just think <laughs> it's a win-win. This man is just an incredible man. Like seriously, I think we all him just... and Peter McNichol together, like they saved this show this season. Yeah, they really do. Uh, they really do. and like the thing is, like I think even they can tell they've got some bad stuff to work with, but they don't mm. care. Like they just put their well, all into it. It's so good. It, it's it's great to watch, and this is taking nothing away from Powers Booth. I mean, he he's he's the one who has the the heavy weight of all the dialogue and everything to carry. But like Peter McNichol, who basically says nothing for the majority of this block of episodes, mm. you still see him in the background. He looks there's a, there's physical acting he does where he's like touching his face or he's like touching mm. his temple and it looks like my head's about to explode, but I can't let anybody tell. Like he's acting without having to say a word, and that's something that everybody is missing this season. Yeah, no, completely. Oh, excuse me, just choking on my own opinions here. Completely, <laughs> completely agree. Uh, I guess everything kind of ties in together here. But the, the, can we just talk about the one CTU elephant in the room here, which I guess we can breathe over this because we talk about let's recycle everything that we've done before and let's try and create an iconic moment that Ben Waterworth, I think, oh. got outvoted for for season two, making the top five. Um, so basically, Nadia... Oh, bad Nadia, bad Nadia. Torture, torture, torture. Oh, awkward. You've been found to be good, which I guess we can... Oh, let's tie in the mic bullshit here anyway, because we meet... Who do we meet here? Agent Johnson, Connor Johnson, common, something like this. We get some random plot line to do with Mike that we've got to, like, think that he's evil, but he's not. So they've found a... What are they? A node? Basically a VPN sort of switching, like, oh, this is so yeah. advanced in 2007. So we've got weird old Connor Johnson here, so like, hey, Mike, so I found a little note here that essentially they were redirecting into Nadia's computer. She's definitely innocent. I love how they say about five times in this episode, she's definitely innocent. Um, <laughs> and to which he's all like, 
Looks like you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yep, lots of court cases. You're going down. But because you helped me in Denver, let's keep this in just between you and I. We won't tell anyone. So then we're all like, ooh, Mike's a naughty man. He's looking at this node. So then we're like, okay, cool. Fair enough. Mike's evil. But then 10 minutes later, Connor Johnson, who is this guy? Like, I mean, I don't know. Why, why do we care about Connor Johnson? He walks into CTU and he's all like, hey, Milo, so you got a got an erection for Nadia. So uh, she's totally innocent, by the way. Mike's framing her. I found the evidence. So uh, see ya. To which then Milo's all like, go, go, go. I'm Milo. I'm going to assault you, Mike. And then Mike's all like, oh, I did the right thing. I turned in the evidence and absolved her of her guilt. And Morris comes in and again, she's definitely innocent. (laughs) Again, what, like 40 minutes ago? She's definitely guilty. Yeah, I love the the, the judge and jury of CTU. (laughs) So then uh, Mike's all like, oh, screw you, Connor Johnson, trying to frame me. I caught onto you. Like, what is the point of this storyline? And then Bill's all like... I was going to ask you that. Yeah, I think you see a shifty Connor Johnson next week, but that's it. Bye, Connor Johnson. Uh, then all of a sudden, Bill's all like, hey, Nadia, so, um, by the way, totally innocent. Um, so, like, I know you kind of want to sue. Uh, I totally would. But can you not? And can you go back to work? Okay, thanks. Bye. Like, at least with freaking What's-A-Face uh, season four, she offered Sarah, like, a raise and, like, a level yeah. one clearance and an Audi and a house in the Hamptons. Like, Bill's just like, suck it up. Get back to work. <laughs> like, this is just the notion of the day. Morris, what's that? You armed a nuclear bomb and got drilled in the shoulder? Get back to work and don't drink. <laughs> Nadia, we wrongly accused you of being a terrorist because you're Muslim. Whatever. Get back to work. Still got restricted <laughs> access, by the way. Um, and then this leads to Milo and Nadia recreate Tony and Michelle, but in just the most, I don't know, cringeworthy manner bit rapey from milo if you ask me um yeah he's pretty forceful like at least with the michelle tony situation we've had i I can't believe i'm slightly defending what's a face's brother's storyline but at least that was like a two three four episode build up we'd seen the tension between michelle and what's a face we'd seen tony kind of stepping around that flirtation had been there like all season with Milo and, and Nadia, it was there for like an episode. You forgot about it. It came back. You forgot about it. Literally yeah. an episode ago. She is being tortured. Oh, you're a terrorist. You're a Muslim. I'm a racist white man called Mike Doyle. And I've got a stupid haircut. And then all of a sudden they're all like, Nadia, get back to work and don't sue us. And she's all like, oh, adjusting a suit. And Milo like pins her in a freaking corridor and is like, I sorry that I thought you were guilty. And she's like, not now. It's not the time for this. Well, I don't care. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> and then it's just like, cool, let's get back to work. Like, what, what did she say? Like, oh, I don't really think this is the environment to date. Correct. Um, <laughs> secondly, I want like Milo to make out with her and be like, who said anything about dating? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but like, it's just so like, it's not the time and the place. I'm all for like a passionate moment of romance in the corridors a la season two tony michelle when it was done perfectly should have been top five hashtag but this is just crap this is just like it's just not called for in an episode where it's just like well okay she just got released like don't make out with this 2020 i'm looking at this from a 2023 feminist eyes sue him nadia that was forceful without your consent me too that bastard just because he's got a big dick who cares sue him in the workplace too. Um, there, there is a big difference between this and the way they handled Tony and Michelle. 
Uh, for one, Tony and Michelle were actually around the corner in like a dark corridor. This is like we're behind a glass wall that everybody's looking Chloe's in on. watching, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know that we, we get something with Morris, too. Um, I, I think that was was that in this episode where Morris is uh, basically jumping to defense. Oh, no, that's something with Mike that's coming up. Never mind. That's a, no, but separate, this, this is his scene. episode. Okay. That's the one I was just oh, talking about. One? That's the one I was literally just talking about when he jumps up. He's like, he's definitely she's definitely innocent. He's definitely oh, no. thing. That's when he jumps up and I runs did, to him. There's. No, there's another scene with uh, Morris I'm thinking about where uh, he's like, uh, so is everything okay here, guys? <laughs> Just notice there's a bit of conflict, maybe not quite appropriate for this environment. But um, I, first I'll just comment on, you know, the, she's definitely innocent thing. They do no legwork here at all <laughs> because this proves, okay, well, there is a possibility that this is what it is. Like, so you're still going to do an investigation. Maybe you're, you're short-staffed, so you need her there, but like, then you wouldn't have pulled her off the floor so quickly to investigate this. And you wouldn't have immediately jumped to torture and all that. Um, all that they're both doing is just proving how good of an employee Morris is in comparison to them. Because like, there is this the time and place for you to be worried about when you're going to get it on or if you're going to get it on and if you're going to date and stuff like that, like there's a nuke out there. And I just want, I just want another nuke to go off just to say, you know what? We would have caught it if Milo and Nadia hadn't been so distracted <laughs> Uh, wanting to bone each other. Uh, and, and yeah, we haven't had a build with these two. And I don't mind either of these characters. And I don't even mind if you're going to go this route with them. But maybe one of the other things, I, I was going to say one of the other things is that we don't get another season with them. Like we got Tony and Michelle, but like Tony and Michelle start the next season and they're married. Mm. So we didn't need more build and we didn't have trouble buying that. If you had brought these two characters back and you start the next season, they're married. I don't buy it. I buy Bill and Karen more, and they had nothing more than passing comments like, oh, hello there. Uh, yes, hello there, you too. You know, that's all that Bill and Karen had, yeah. and we buy it. But I, just, I I, feel like these being, Milo has been here before, but he, he's basically a new character. You could have called him, you know, Johnny, and mm -hmm. nobody who hadn't watched season one would question whether this guy had been here before. Uh, I also wonder, like, how many people have worked in Denver? Like, is this the the second biggest hotspot for terrorism in the United States? Because everybody's worked in Denver. Well, everybody knows everybody from Denver. Successful city recently, Stanley Cup and NBA championship within twelve months. So everybody's on the Denver train. So you know, so much terrorism involved around Mile sports high city. in Denver. Mile high city, <laughs> yeah. great city. Uh, Mile High Club uh, here in Los Angeles. Just you know what two, that is? Two different Colin? Mile High. <laughs> Some, something to do with the the, the airplane and, and uh, the Russian airplane. sex, I think. The airplane <laughs> and the Russian the sex. Airplane. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, this this Connell guy, uh, he is who is he? So random. And, well, and it's funny because you said, "Oh, I think we get a shifty thing with him next week." I looked up because I couldn't remember. I'm like, is this the only episode? This is his only episode. I thought and we what saw we a get shifty it, thing next week. Maybe it's this week we see no, a second No, it's, it's only him, but it's after they do the back and forth, which I will say one redeeming part of Mike's character is that they go a different route than you expect when, when Milo's coming and Milo's basically being just as physical. He's turning into Mike by going and immediately assaulting a person for no reason whatsoever. This guy rubbing off on him. Uh, but then I, I like the, the twist of... Yeah, I just turned this evidence over to Bill, our boss, by the way. Uh, it's unexpected, and I think I, I'd forgotten a lot about Mike's character, and really, it, it doesn't amount to a lot uh, with him, like th th this direction they tried to go in. But it's like they, they tried to pivot onto this new guy here, Jenkins, or whatever his name is. Uh, what is it? Johnson. Uh, Connell Johnson. First of all, what kind of first name is Connell? Oh, is Connell, Connell Johnson? It's not even Connell. Yeah, it's Connell Johnson. Connell. Hi, everyone. I'm Connell. But they, they try to pivot onto him because after the whole thing with Mike is like, yeah, Mike did everything he was supposed to do. 
suddenly you get this look from it, which is exactly the same as the a Russian Secret Service guy who decided to turn on the guy that was going to help Jack when he was uh, taking the consulate hostage, where he just gets that one look like, ha, 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 like the shifty-eyed look. And you end on that, and you never see this guy again. This is his only episode. Uh, maybe they had wanted to develop something uh, where they would, you know, potentially build towards another mole and they got cold feet like we're recycling too many plot lines it's just that's the only thing i could uh, potentially think of with this is that they had plans they wanted to go with another mole and then they decided too much repeat this season let's just not do it yeah and, and this guy looks familiar too like i'm looking at him and i'm like he's off something and i looked him up and i don't think he's anything i've seen so maybe he's just got one of those faces i don't know the the mic don't get me started we're gonna get some absolutely woeful stuff with mike next week when it comes to like let's try and explain this character i just i really don't understand any direction they've gone with this mike doyle character and particularly now with this where they're all of a sudden like hey he's evil lol joke no he's not um it's like what like it just makes yeah. no sense and then next week we're gonna get he reads the quran Oh, God, he that, ex- everything. that explains it. Like, what are they trying to do with him? I just don't get it. It's just dumb. I don't think they know what they're doing with anybody at this point. No, they really don't. Uh, so basically the rest of this episode is tied all in together with Jack and the, the terrorists and bombs. So uh, one thing that fi- so we get Fayette and Gradenko here at the beginning. And like, I got a question. This makes me ask more questions about next week. Because like, we've kind of seen these two just hanging out this week and last week and the last few weeks with no like suspicion or anything like that. Next week, we're going to get a pretty epic scene, to be honest, for a season six episode. And I, I will be a bit more defensive of next week, even though I spoiled it, I'm still going to bin it. Um, but mm. like, it's, I still don't understand why next week these two are like hiding in rooms and hiding phones and Santa Monica Pier to meet when this time around, they're just like, hey, suck, Renko. Not bad, Fayette. How are you? Um, and like, yeah, if I gets a bit bullish here and pins him against the wall, gets a bit old Mike Doyle here, but they're basically just trying to like work out the whole, um, oh, what are we going to do with the bombs? This is where I think they're just, they're getting to be bored, the writers, and they're trying to come up with things because it's like, we've gone from this whole like gung-ho, like, yes, we need a component. We're going to bomb Valencia and oh yes, let's put it on a drone. And now they're kind of like, now what? Because uh, <laughs> even, <laughs> even the terrorists are just like, got two left. What do you want to do with them? Don't know. What do you want to do with them? Uh, I've got a guy who got a nuclear power plant. Do we really need to nuke a nuclear power plant? I heard a guy a couple of years ago just uh, hacked in and set a couple off. <laughs> yeah, but if we put a nuclear bomb in a nuclear power plant, isn't that cool? Yeah, you're right. Um, so basically, after getting pinned against the wall, Gradenko rings up these, I don't know, I can remember their names. They're Brady and Mark, is it? So Mark. The Housers. The Housers, the hockey family. Um, that's hoses, right? That's a bad joke. Um, <laughs> but so he's all like, hey, Mark, how you doing? It's like, who's this? You know who it is. The only guy you know with a Russian accent, dickhead. Anyway, uh, I need more shit. I'll give you more money. Okay. Hey, Brady, uh, autistic brother of mine, you have some food. I don't like wrecked food. That's a shame. Can you log on to my computer and get some stuff? Okay. Um, again, this comes out of nowhere. We have no idea what they do. Uh, apparently, what did Mark provide Gredenko? No idea. Um, oh, it's still just, don't know. Yep, cool. This is just a random plot thread to have a cool little moment with Jack and an autistic brother, which, again, I like, but it's just, it's random. So, uh-oh. Um, and then, huh, what do you know? 24 has one of those random moments of, let's give the character some luck because plot's got a plot. <laughs> Chloe's like, we've got no leads, but just we just so happen to have one of these many people on our watch list just intercept a phone call. How lucky are we? 
Like, I'm sorry, at the beginning of this day, you were intercepting a Fayette phone calls out of nowhere, and now it just happens to be someone on the list? Why is Mark from the hills, like, on a list because he works for a defence company? He's white. You shouldn't be looking at him. Like, I mean, I know how CTU and the government works in 2007. You're all racist. Like, this guy, he's white. He's fine. Um, they're, they're saying Hauser, but I'm hearing Nadia. That's exactly. what you're telling oh, me. Hauser, that's a foreign-sounding name. Put him on a watch list. Um... <laughs> So anyway, they find out that he's had a phone call with... Uh, why Why are they tracing this to Mark? You got Gradenko on the other line. Trace him! Like, yeah, you can trace a call. goes two ways. Exactly. All you need is a line going, we tried tracing Gradenko, but it's got a 712 scrambler on it. They're impossible to hack. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. all you have to say, it's got a VPN on it. Um, like, <laughs> th- th- there's a whole episode in itself. You, you, you're costing yourself time, CTU. Uh, and again, let's all just remember that the President of the United States in less than an hour is about to start World War Three, and everybody's just like, oh, shit, what do we do? <laughs> um, we had a whole season of them rushing around to prov- provide a, a recording was fake in season two. That was all tension and everything and chopping people open. This time around, it's just like, shit, let's go check out Mark and Brady. <laughs> so anyway, they get to this compound. Mark's shooting at him. Unlike last week when we're just going to shoot random people we assume are guilty, let's not shoot a guy who's actually shooting us this week to kill. It's because he's got an autistic brother. Like, why do they shoot Brady? Based on last week, they should be killing everyone. <laughs> but oh no. Um, anyway, so they take Mark into custody. We have this great little moment. Jack and Brady having a little chat. It's, it's really sweet. Kiefer plays man being coherent and nice to man with disability well. Uh, so mm. props to Kiefer. Kiefer would be very good with your children. Uh, yes, he would. <laughs> and he would give you some whiskey and just keep him away from Jamie and me. Your cryptocurrency. <laughs> Merry yeah. Christmas, kids. Here's I, some cryptocurrency. I, I, pro- props to all these celebrities who started endorsing cryptocurrency in 2022. Notice how none of them are doing it in 2023. <laughs> I have not seen Kiefer try to sell me cryptocurrency this year. I'm trying to see him selling me his Canadian bourbon, which I want. Uh, I haven't seen Matt Damon selling me, you know, Bitcoin or whatever it is. They've all gone to sleep, haven't they? Uh, so they got their check and they bug it off. Good for them. Um, so essentially what's going to happen here is they're going to set up a meet between Gradenko and Brady. They're going to exchange. They're going to make, basically make Gradenko believe that Brady's going to give him the plants of this power plant and that they're then going to capture Gradenko because basically Mark's all like, I've gone to hospital. I've got called into work. Oh, I could do a late shift. You know, Jenkins sick again. You know how it is. Lol. My brother is going to uh, fill in for me. Thanks, Mark, for your great appearance on 24. I'm sure we will rank you in the top 10 characters in this show's history. And then we get a big tense uh, showdown between Gradenko and Brady and Jack and everybody else. And again, Jack's fantastic here kind of explaining to Brady, um, you know, like this is what you're going to do. Pretend I'm not in your ear and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't mind this ending kind of, I, I kind of like this shootout. It's not too bad. I kind of like the sort of the tension and everything. And I like Gradenko being caught. Um, I also, uh, props to Donnie Moropoulos. Just kind of, we don't get a whole lot of him in this episode. Just, he's always in a car, Donnie Moropoulos. Like he's just, I swear we, we should have asked him about this a few weeks ago. Like 90% of his screen time is him in a car looking at a window on the phone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> probably cause he was injured and nearly dead all the time. So <laughs> I can understand why. Um, but the thing that I really like about kind of when Gradenko gets captured here is that like, this is where you, you expect villains to be a certain way. Like, I'm not going to tell you anything. 
I want my lawyer. He's basically like, okay, I'll tell you shit. And Jack's like, hmm. And it's like, I want immunity. I want a house in the Hamptons. I want Britney Spears as national security <laughs> advisor. I want the Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. Um, like I want everything. And Jack's like, let me make a phone call. Um, <laughs> but this is where I love, like I, th- I, d- I might be jumping ahead to next week when Jack's like on the phone to Bill. I think it is next week because he's kind of like, yeah, mm, he, he rolls over too quickly. Like, And you can actually, the thing that I really appreciate about that phone call next week, watch Kiefer in this scene. You can see Jack Bauer going, hmm, why is he rolling over too quickly here? So Kiefer does something here, which kind of ties into the phone call next week to really kind of make you believe that he's like even questioning this guy. And I actually, and this is what we've always said, we like this sort of cat and mouse back and forth between the two villains. And we get that here because Gradenko is playing Jackie, what we're going to learn next week. Like he's doing this in a manner, which is kind of like a long con to get him back with Fayed, which I think is really clever. It's just so rushed. So we don't have time mm. to kind of make this out. This is where, again, I props the Saunders as a villain because Saunders is doing this all the fucking time and they stretch this out for half a season. So anyway, I, I don't mind this kind of stuff and this shootout and everything, but it's a highlight of the episode. It's still There's still too much stuff weighing this episode down for me to even remotely think about not binning this episode. But the <laughs> Jack stuff, the the Brady stuff, and the Granka stuff at the end is a highlight for me. And there's a damn it. Oh, well, Jack gives his ninth damn it this season. Uh, the first thing that I uh, took note of is when Jack's going to find Hauser or whatever, uh, they bring it up on his, uh, what was the name of it here? Sprint picture or sprint mobile picture or something <laughs> like that. They made sure to zoom in on it, of course. Uh, that paid and, for the episode that week. Well, but but like five minutes earlier, Jack was at CTU and they already knew about this and they had the picture there. And Jack's like, come on, I need that picture, guys. It's like, you were just here. Did you not see on the screen? His big face. We had a big screen there. You, oh, but I have to look it up my sprint mobile. This is the only <laughs> way I'm going to know. It's product placement with no logic behind it. Um, yeah, the, the uh, first, I'll, I'll just comment on the, the brother itself. Because again, I, all three of my kids are on the spectrum. And I'll, I'll say, unfortunately, we're kind of living in this age now where, you know, everything is picked apart and, oh, this is a stereotype and everything. I can tell you right now that there is nothing about Brady's character that isn't true in some capacity. But like the, the reason they call it the autism spectrum is because everybody's completely different. Like all three of my kids are completely different. Remy can hold a back and forth conversation with you, uh, but Remy will panic at the drop of a hat and, you know, uh, and freak out over the littlest thing in the world. Casper, you know, Casey, they're much more calm, but like they're not a conversation for them is like, do you like oatmeal? And I'm like, yes, I do. And they're like, I don't like oatmeal and that's a conversation with them, you know? So like they're completely Sounds different. Like a lot but... of my first dates. <laughs> that's every date. Every date I've been on. So do you like oatmeal? <laughs> I do. Can we feed that to Noah? That could be his opening line <laughs> when he finally gets one. Do you like oatmeal? I like oatmeal pretend too. we're not here, Noah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but even the little detail, like the, the, the red pepper, um, I mean, Food texture is a real thing with autistic people. Like it's not just being picky, like the texture of things they can't handle because a lot of senses are heightened. Uh, And we've also learned that, you know, they'll just decide they don't like foods. Like that thing where it's like, you like peppers. It's like, I don't like red food. And he just decides, all right, Uh, there's uh, croutons. There's something in salad. Casper has always loved salad. We know most kids, they want to eat mac and cheese and pizza. He wants salad. He used to love croutons and now he doesn't want croutons. He used to love ketchup on everything. Now he doesn't want ketchup at all. You know, it's just a decision. I can't take that anymore. 
Uh, the best bit for me, and this is probably one of the, the biggest stereotypes people have, you want to say stereotypes, is uh, the thing with the ears. Because mm. when Jack's saying to put the earpiece in, he's like, is it going to hurt or whatever? Uh, very common among autistic people, like all three of my kids, like you get anywhere near their ears, they're going to freak out. There's something about Mary. I was about you know, to say, when, that reminds uh, you of something yeah. about Mary. Yeah. And when, when when Matt and I covered that a couple of years ago, I was kind of joking about that. You know, this actually does make me laugh as a father because I know one day somebody's going to try to take Casper's headphones off or remember his headphones off and they're going to knock him out, you know? Which it's, I mean, I'm sorry to kind of jump in because I know, I know exactly what you're doing. This is like when I said at the beginning, like, maybe doesn't hold up well. It's more of the case of as it's modern or this is what it's going to be. We saw that Sia movie, well, which, you know, basically there. It's like what we talked yeah. about during The Whale. Like as someone who was quite large myself and everyone's criticizing Brendan Fraser for playing a fat man, like I really connected with many mm -hmm. moments in that movie of his addiction to food and the way he ate food and the way he would just like, as I said, as somebody who has been in that part myself, I'm like commending him accurately mm -hmm. portraying and then like this, this is a random one and going on a tangent but it's the same thing i don't think people really criticize ricky gervais in um was it afterlife or the show on netflix the the depression show um you know for playing somebody with severe depression but to me that's maybe one of the most accurately depicted shows on depression there is i've ever yeah. seen because there's always a certain level on depression where it's kind of like there's always going to be rosy things and oh you're depressed but you're going to get over it like no like what ricky gervais does in that show and is so negative and so down and everything that's depression for a lot of people. Yeah. So I think you can accurately have people. And th again, that's acting. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. You are doing that. And it's not offensive. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, and again, it's, I mean, it's great to give autistic people the opportunity to act. It is absolutely mm -hmm. fantastic. They should have that ability. And if you have that ability to do so, absolutely do it. But at the same time, like if you've got somebody who's not in that level, who is doing it in a level where like Colin is saying, he's got, he's around autistic people. He knows what they're like. And this is an accurate depiction. It's not offensive. You're, you're kind of just showing it in a way where it's not a, a stereotype where maybe it's going the completely opposite. Just like, Oh, look at them. They're just, yeah, that's who they are. I've never seen rain man. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's that offensive. Well and and like the thing is, is people now will consider Ray Man offensive. You know, some of it is because, well, you didn't get an autistic actor. It's like, well, actors sometimes are being actors. If it's not disrespectful, I'm okay with it. Uh, but they're playing in this. What the, what Brady's basically doing here is he is playing Dustin Hoffman, a Ray Man. It is the same type of speech patterns, the same type of like twitching and stuff like that. Which again, this is not my, my kids are not like Brady in any way. Like if you were to be around them, have a conversation with them, they wouldn't come across like this at all. But having said that, not just Casper, I mean, I've seen other kids they've been surrounded with. I've seen grown adults that they've been surrounded with at events and stuff like that. And when I'm watching Brady, Brady I'm like, I, I know one or two autistic people who are like this, you know? It's just the, the thing where, where people aren't as familiar with a certain, whether it be an ethnicity or a certain type of, you know, disability or something like that. You simply play what you know. And I mean, I don't really fault them for playing Dustin Hoffman and Rayman because that's all people Scott, do. And Scott it is Michael accurate Campbell, to a certain extent. We'll say is the name of the actor, yeah. Scott Michael Campbell. And he's, I, I saw he was like, uh, he's Canadian too. So mm. good job you, Scott Michael Campbell. Uh, but I mean, I, personally, I like a little, little different, the little things they put in here, like with the food and the ears and, and even the way he handles it. Like, but it is the way that Jack is handling him and having to be sympathetic because we get Jack having to step out of his comfort zone. And even the, the, the part where Brady's like, you, you seem a little bit nervous, Brady. And it's like, well, he doesn't realize he's with the terrorist, but now he kind of realizes that, you know? Uh, it puts the fear in the audience. And that's something that's also lacking a lot in the season. You don't have a lot of civilians. And the civilians you have are people like Josh and Marilyn, where you're like, 
if you're caught in the crossfire, I'm Don't okay with that it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like, and let's go back one season to um, uh, what was the name of the the kid, Connie Britton's kid? Oh, um, oh, yeah. I forget the, the actor was Brady in that case, Brady Corbett, I think. But but like him or uh, Beirut, these civilians that are kind of the innocents. That's where the audience starts to relate a little bit. And, and I, I I like that this is a one and done story, but I wish that season six had more relatable characters like this. Because even in the first four episodes, what do we have? We had that family across the Derek. Yeah. But like the first four episodes, we had that family across the street from uh, mm. from uh, Cal Penn and everything. And and we're just we're missing that when everybody's so capable of doing their jobs, the audience can't really be tense about anything that they're seeing. Um yeah, I mean this this is the highlight of the episode. The, the gun shootout's good. It's it's a little bit of action. Uh I I I don't remember everything about how the Gradenko story plays out, but I mean I've watched a couple weeks ahead now, so I, I know how it plays out. And my first note was that I didn't like that Gradenko just gave up so easily, but then you realize when you get two or three more episodes into this, like there's a reason why, right? Uh, and he's also a different person than Fayed, who's a guy who's basically, you know, determined he's going to die for his cause. Gradenko is a little, he has, technically Gradenko has more of a cause, but yet there's there's strategy to what he's doing here, which it, it's something that I appreciate more as we get into the next couple episodes. The one thing that I think makes Gradenko look really stupid in this episode is when the, the brother, I think it's Mark, is on the phone with uh, him and he's saying, I've been called into work. Like he's panting like a dog for with reason, but like he's trying to pretend this is a normal conversation. Just once in a while, Gradenko would be like, "Why do you sound like you're like <laughs> like chasing cars right now?" Or like you know, uh, somebody's playing fetch with you. Like, you're breathing very heavily. <laughs> yeah, but but like maybe this is something that this should be part of the plot point that it tips Gradenko off. Something's not right here. But like it it is not a very good cover. Mark has who's like. <laughs> Oh, oh, I, I, I gotta get told into work. Ow, ow! Be careful with that. Like you know, it, it's, it, it made Gradenko look a little bit stupid, and that. But it, part of my judgment, that I think, is because the end of this episode, I was feeling like Gradenko's really stupid for giving up. But then we will get into it in the next couple episodes, the reasoning why he does that. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's something different with Jack. You know, like it's sort of we've had Jack with children. We've had Jack, you know, like we had the the brothers in the store back in season four, where Adoni Moropoulos obviously was meant to, yeah. you know, be in. Um, we get a horrible one at the end of next season. Uh, we really get a horrible one, Jack and religion. Don't even get me started. But it's it's when I when the writers are trying to do something that I like. You see what they're trying to do, and I like it. Whereas next season, I see what they're trying to do, but it's terrible. Um, and I just I just like this. I just like Jack. Mm-hmm. Being sympathetic, and it, it's it is kind of something that you wish, you know, you can't really drag this out, but like just something a little bit more that would work. I mean, the stuff with Derek last season was was pretty good, kind of just when he's sort of you know getting to know him a little bit better and everything along those lines, you know, and it's just it works out well. So yeah, it's just it's something that works out good in in Robin, and I think what we what we're seeing here, what we're going to see a little bit more next week, and then the following two weeks when we get to two good episodes in my mind, is that. This is what happens when you get rid of the Jack family stuff, and then we're we're kind of seeping back into season f- the the first four episodes of this season when you've got like ideas and potential, and that you're kind of executing them a little bit better. And I feel like this week, next week, and then the fo- like this week and next week are kind of like the rehearsal for the following two weeks, where it's all of a sudden like you've got some good stuff here, and you're finally hitting your stride again. And don't get me wrong, in the two weeks, um, in episodes seventeen and eighteen, there's still some bad stuff. But they will be both be buys for me. And one will be a very high buy. And I just want to point out, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned, I sort of got confused in my head. I'm like, have we had the you owe me speech yet? And you're like, no, we haven't. 
I fast forwarded to that moment and remember, try to remember it. And I want to apologize to myself and any 24 fans of my offended. That speech, if that is not in our top five at the end of the season, I will quit this show. Because that, to me, is maybe one of the greatest oh, Jack that's Bauer. that's tempting. <laughs> that's one of the greatest Jack Bauer speeches we will ever get in this show. I literally watched it last night just in passing before I went to bed. I get goosebumps at how good that scene is with Jack and Wayne Palmer. Anyway, but good episodes, but we're getting, we're building to something good before it falls off a cliff again because I wonder why, what storyline's going to return pretty quickly. Um, anyway, rant over. Um, trivia... Uh, this week, uh, the book, there wasn't really anything. There's nothing on 24, nothing this week, nothing exciting apparently happens in the world of 24. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll oh, get, that, that's statement of the century. I'm, I'm going to get the book out now because I feel bad. Um, you know, plus we've only got a few more weeks of this book. We're up to episode 15. So there's no more official guides coming after this season. So I best I make the most of Tara Delulio Bennett here for a while. Um, what do we got here? Production designer Joseph Hodges says that they initially had the bunker set uh, underneath the United Nations um, and then uh, in New York and then under in San Francisco, but then they eventually moved it to the White House. So we will get the United Nations playing a key part in season eight, of course. So I guess they, uh, they like that idea of the United Nations. And they've got an interview with Powers Booth in the book this yeah. week. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting. Uh, I'm still binning this episode, but it's it's not going to be like low as I've gone before. Uh, obviously, it's not, you know, in the bottom pile. So it's still uh, going to come in at a grand total of 120th um, out of 135 episodes. It still sounds low, but I will say that overall, this will come in at 178th of 216 episodes. And I also want to make a quick amendment because I'm here looking at my rankings. I, I, I'm looking ahead to next week and I realize I've stuffed something up because I'm looking here that episode two of season two should be below next week, but I had it at a rent and I've got next week at a bin. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make <laughs> sense. And then I've kind of worked out my mistake. So I have to rectify a ranking back in season two, which maybe it's been a while since we recorded that episode. Maybe I did bin it, but I marked it incorrectly on my list as a rent, but I'm saying that was a bin episode two season two is a bin. So if you've binged all these episodes and I said, I rented that, meant to be a bin and I've rectified that on my list because I'm sure that the one person that listens to this show has been sitting on that for four fucking <laughs> seasons and is finally glad that I've cleared that up. You're welcome. So unprofessional. I um, know. You said you had this at, at 120 currently? 120th, correct. Uh, this is the first time in a while where uh, you have it slightly higher than I do. Um, again, it's 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 a better bin for me, uh, but I've got this at 124 currently. Oh, well done, you, uh, Colin. You, uh, well, I, I aim to please. <laughs> and I will say this is our 899th television ranking episode that we've ever done on the Old Network. Next week, our 900th TV episode we have ranked. Either it's a good thing or we've got no lives. Uh, it's a bit of both, really, let's be honest. Uh, for one of us, we don't have a life. Others have children and wives and stuff. Um, but next week, I'm not going to read my synopsis uh for next week uh actually no i will because uh it's the following week that i don't want to read because that's a real spoiler that i want to say for it uh so next week ben's synopsis is as following because apparently this is all about me at the end now for a season six episode this isn't overly terrible having our two main villains gradenko and fayed play each other is actually quite entertaining and we missed out on something much bigger this season knowing that whereas a lot of the good stuff came from even over a year ago colin i agree with myself from today 
there is some <laughs> solid action going on and the location of Santa Monica Pier is actually quite cool. I will say right now, one of my favorite locations I've ever used in 24. Uh, but then we add, ugh, Mike Doyle wants to prove he is not a racist by proving he's read all the religious texts. Okay. And after trying to make things super tense by having President Wayne Palmer come out of a coma to stop a nuclear attack, I'm not going to read that, but that is a massive spoiler for the end of things, and we'll rant about that next week. Um, it's just really dumb on the grand scheme of things, and a sad trend we get all across Season 6 of pointless point, plot points and cliffhangers that lead to nowhere. That's the summary of this season, surely. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have anything to add on next week? Um, I mean, i got a lot of questions for next week's episode, but it, it's something I'm definitely enjoying a lot more. Some of the... It could just be we've jumped the shark and some of the things now I'm accepting. This is dumb, but I at least enjoy it. Kind of like a couple weeks ago where the, there was the the Jack uh, does Flight Simulator episode where I'm like, I know this is dumb, but I'm enjoying it. And they, they hit on something at least next week where it, it, it's easier to take the garbage they're shoveling us. That's just the old networks MO. That's what we do here. <laughs> um, all the things that are happening during the week, Scott Pilgrim still happening. We're about a week or so away. From our Jim Carrey anniversary month, get excited! I'm so pumped. We really should have, if we had have not taken January off for movies, we really should have done Australia Canada month this month. I think we that's when we did it a few years ago because obviously it's yeah. Australia Day this week, so uh, that probably makes a little bit more sense to be able to do that. But uh, we don't think ahead. We're just dumb on this show. We just want to get them over and done with and move on to more things. But uh, like, subscribe, do all the regular things that you generally do. And obviously Oscar month around the corner as well. At the time of us recording this to show you when this is dated, Golden Globe nominations did get released. So um, Natalie Portman probably already lost that Golden Globe by now. But, uh, you know, it's very much dated by the time you're listening to this. We understand. But um, congratulations to Colin for his surprise Golden Globe nomination in the new box office achievement category, which is the most pointless category ever. Taylor <laughs> Swift got nominated for that. Go fuck yourself. Um, anyway... My name is Ben, and I make mistakes all the time. And my name is Colin, and whatever you thought might happen between us, you can just forget it. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. 
For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>